very important podcast today. We go through what is happening on the ground in uh, Ukraine, what Russia is doing. There's a couple of tense moments between me and Bill O'Reilly. We disagree on Putin being crazy or crazy like a fox. Uh, You'll hear that on today's program and a list of things that you can do, how this affects you all on today's podcast. Today is one of those days where we're going to try to figure out what's going on together. Um, Some things really bother me, don't seem right. Um, Let me just start with what happened at uh, 5.50 a.m. Thursday morning, uh, Russia time. Putin was wearing the same suit and the the same red tie that he wore on Monday uh, as he took to the airwaves and warned President Biden and NATO not to intervene in Ukraine. He said his plans, interesting choice of words, were to denazify Ukraine. Uh, he continued to stick to his uh, factually inaccurate version of Ukraine's history, saying essentially that Ukraine was always part of Russia. Um, his his um, attempts here in the last few days to rewrite history at his convenience uh, seemed to me to be something that we talked about on yesterday's program, a very calculated plan um, in his own home country of uh, working towards uh, capital T traditionalism. If we have time, we'll get into that again today. If you don't know what it is, listen to yesterday's podcast. We went deep into it. Um, He was misleading everybody, um, you know, saying that he's not going to do any of these things. Within hours of the speech, the interior ministry of Ukraine said that there had been hundreds of casualties. CNN reported, despite Russia insisting early that they were only attacking uh, military installations and were voting populated areas. uh, That's not true. Um, uh, President Biden responded to Putin's attack last night, saying the prayers of the entire world are with the people of Ukraine uh, as they suffer an unprovoked and unjustified attack by Russian military forces. Uh, there is um, this is real trouble, and there's some things that just don't make sense. Um, I'm going to give you just a couple of more pieces of the news, and then we're going to start talking to some experts today on what they think this this means. Our Dow, let me look at our futures. Our Dow futures are down about 800 points. I know when you're talking about the loss of life, that doesn't seem uh, like something you should um, worry about. But the world is about to change if this continues. Um, The Dow is down 770 points right now. Uh, Oil is up to almost $100 a barrel. Um, your uh, stock markets all around the world are going through the floor. Um, There's no place worse than in Russia. Russia, their stock market was cut in half. And you have to ask yourself, how is he going to benefit from this? What is the real game? 
We'll get to that here in, uh, in just a little while. Meanwhile, most Americans want nothing to do with it. Most Americans are saying we're not going in for Ukraine. I don't think we should either, um, but we should support Ukraine. And we should also call out the devil that Putin is. I'm, I'm tired of uh, people making excuses for Putin. What he is saying is not true. Let's not be Neville Chamberlain. Uh, however, that doesn't mean we go and fight it. It means we just call a spade a spade. Ukraine is absolutely corrupt. We know, uh, just if you paid attention to any of our specials uh, on Ukraine with the Biden people and his son and everybody else that was in Ukraine, we have, under the, under the guiding hand of Barack Obama, we have meddled in Ukraine and just, it's, it's horrible, horrible corruption, what we have uh, uh, been involved in in Ukraine. Um, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. We should mind our own business on that. That's not an isolationist thing. That's a let's get out of everybody else's business, please, especially when that business is corrupt. Um, they are corrupt, but they are a democratic society, and they do not want to go back to Russia. Anybody who says that, I just would remind you, look up the word Holodomor. They know what happens when Russia comes in to their uh, place, and they are not interested in going back. Um, uh, gold is up, and the Chinese. The Chinese media has leaked censoring rules on Ukraine. Um, <clears throat> the Chinese news organization they say accidentally leaked, I don't think so, its censorship plans regarding Russia's invasion into Ukraine. Um, the organization said it needed to be sensitive on the matter because it would need Russia's support when we wrestle with America to solve the Taiwan issue once and for all. I do not believe that that was a mistake, and nobody's going to be disappeared on that little mistake they're sending america a message uh i want to bring in uh jason buttrell who is uh with us now hi jason hi glenn um you and i have been talking about this for a long time we have spent a year on ukraine um and this takes both of us by surprise i have to hand it to the intelligence community although i don't feel comfortable it's, something's not right here um, but the intelligence community and the biden administration said this is what he was going to do and he's done it yeah i agree i it's really crazy because when you study geopolitics you learn to uh to analyze and look at these things from that from that lens um you're, you're taught that you know geopolitics is a study of maps it's demographics it's numbers it's um you know, it's interests, hard line interests. And when someone starts acting, you know, emotionally, like Putin has been doing over the past really year plus, you learn to kind of put that away and say, OK, well, he's obviously after something else, which I still think there's something else, you know, involved, just like you said. Um, so when the Biden administration was kind of saying, you know, now this is happening, full scale invasion, all that, I didn't believe it was happening. I didn't. I was looking for something behind what was going on. And because this all seems so irrational, but I think the intelligence community was spot on. Um, I've seen reports that it actually, you know, the intelligence community coming out and saying that false flag attacks would happen. That would be the uh, preempt to them doing a full on invasion. 
I wasn't buying it. They were exactly right. And the reports say that it actually delayed Putin's invasion um, by a, possibly even a week. Um, like they wanted to do this last week and not this week. Um, so the intelligence community and the Biden administration were exactly right uh, on this. Um, now, there's ways to criticize other things, which we can get to later, of what they've done. But um, just, a, just a quick recap. Um, the media started reporting last night that, um, that the invasion was going to commence around 4 a.m. Kiev time. Kiev time. And um, pretty much that was spot on. It, uh, it happened around uh, 410, 415 Kiev time. And it's very, very conventional from what I've been noticing. I've been following this all night. Um, this is not like Crimea in 2014 with unconventional warfare. This is a very conventional invasion. Um, what we saw um, commencing around 4 a.m. Kiev time was airstrikes to target command and control systems. Um, that went as far as uh, Kiev. And it's a three-pronged attack coming from Belarus, coming from Crimea in the south, and coming from mainland Russia in the east. Now, we do not know how far they plan to push this. But it is a conventional invasion. It looks as if they will probably go further than just eastern Ukraine. question now is how far they will go and how far tensions will rise, especially with NATO um, gathering troops uh, all along the border of Ukraine. Okay, so let's let's uh, it looks as though he um, was using conventional warfare. Um, to cut off the troops as they were kind of gathered at the borders of of uh, the the two districts that uh, President Putin said he was going to take. They went behind those lines and kind of cut them off so they can't fall back to uh, to defend Kiev. Correct. Yes, that's correct, because they know that Ukraine's uh, strategy here is they know they're going to get overwhelmed. So their strategy is their mainline forces in the east guard, uh, guarding those two territories, as you said. Their strategy is to do a tactical retreat back into the urban areas within Ukraine. Then it turns into both a hybrid uh, guerrilla warfare and heavy urban warfare in the large Ukrainian cities. That is very, very bloody. That is very, very dangerous for the Russian military as well as civilians, which Russian, Russia does not want to kill too many uh, Ukrainian civilians because that is going to be very, very unpopular in mainland Russia. But Ukraine's strategy here, as I said, is to get into the cities and turn this into an urban conflict and draw it out for as long as possible. Russia wants to stop that. And that explains why they dropped in behind the troops there. Can they take the whole country just by air and cutting it all off? Um, they absolutely can take the whole country in the short term. Uh, it, it depends on how effective their air assets are, and that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the bomb from, from the air. We're seeing cruise missile strikes. Um, so cutting off command and control all over the country um, and crippling Ukraine so they can eventually roll into the capital, that will happen, is my guess, unless some, somebody else intervenes, which I kind of highly doubt. But the, the, a short-term victory is really all Russia can hope for here. And that's another puzzling thing, because I, I can't imagine they think they win in the long term. In the long term, it's going to be too uh, damaging financially and politically for Russia. So it's catastrophic in the short term. In the long term, I don't see how they win this unless there's some other grander strategy that we just don't know about, which could even be scarier, actually. So we have some some puzzling things. First of all. Putin said he wants to denazify uh, Ukraine. Do you have any idea what that's about? 
same rhetoric he's been using since 2014. Uh, it's and that's directed more at the people of Russia, not uh, anybody else in the world or Ukraine. Um, but he's you've been using that World War II, you know, sentiment to get public support to do what he's now doing. Um, but that, that's going to continue. And no doubt he's going to provide some air quote evidence, you know, that they're taking out some Nazi. But he's drawing on well, World War II nationalism. He, he said that there has been an ongoing genocide in Ukraine that he's trying to stop. I mean, uh, this is crazy. And that's what makes it so hard to, to, for me when I was looking at this before to really think that he was going to go through with this. Because usually Putin's not a crazy guy. I mean, he no. may be now, but, he, but in the past he's not been. He, he's been very cold, calculating. Geopolitics and interests was always forefront in his mind. Um, yeah, he's not a his, he's not a he's not a psychopath. I mean, well, he might be, right. but he he doesn't. Um, he's not somebody driven by rage. He is cold and calculating. Yeah. Um, and when he, I mean, he's out and out evil. Uh, he is a bloodthirsty killer um, who has spent a lifetime killing people. But he's logical in it. He's very calculated in it. And the rhetoric, I mean, I think the, the Nazi stuff, the religious stuff, that's all, that's, that's Dugan kind of language. Yeah, and, and, that, and it's a very, very powerful weapon for Russians uh, because they're, they're very much willing to, uh, to suffer and to, you know, to, to basically take it, you know, on the chin, if they have to, if that means that their country, you know, will eventually reign supreme. Um, it's, it's interesting, if you go and take a, uh, if you take a tour of the Kremlin and Red Square in Russia, which I've done a couple of times, um, you'll be very surprised to see that in the Soviet, you know, the former Soviet Union, the capital, uh, in the Red Square, it's probably like 80% churches. There's multiple churches. Um, they weren't right. religious during the Soviet Union, but historically, during the Russian Empire, they were very religious. Orthodoxy is very, very pivotal to Russian nationalism. And even the Soviets would turn that up when they needed to. Um, but that's exactly what Putin has done in the vein of Alexander Dugin, uh, especially in that speech that he gave you know, last week. Um, that was very, very telling to a lot of us that have been looking at this, people like you and me, uh, Glenn. Um, that, okay, now we know exactly what he's doing. He's turning up that dial of nationalism to justify doing, you know, what he's doing and possibly even more, which is scary. Okay. Would you would you agree with me, and I'd like you to explore this a bit, um, there is no real obvious win for Putin. His stock market has crashed. Um, this is going to be horrible. They are in the oil business. Um, they just made a deal with China, but that's years down the road. Um, they're going to shut down all of the oil exports into any Western country because of this. So his oil is going to crash, which funds his government and his country. The stock market is down. Business is going to be cut off. Um, it's already a shambles in Russia. What does he have to gain here? Can you think of anything that he has to gain? I've always thought from the beginning of this, I, especially when I thought, didn't think that invasion was happening, I thought that what he was really doing was playing a game to divide and conquer NATO. That's what I thought, and I still think that's a major part of his plan. 
taking Ukraine is also very, very important strategically for Russia to get strategic depth. Um, it's always been their plan was to, you know, have some buffer so they warm can water. the capital of Moscow. Um, yeah, but yeah. also the and, warm and water port. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when he's when he's talking about, the, you know, the, you know, the heart of Russia, that's true. But I don't really think that really guides him. I think that's just the excuse he uses. Correct. To, uh, you know, to get support from home. But uh, but I think that it's, and it's very irritating. I think that you know, we're talking about Putin is not a psychopath. I think he is very spiteful. Um, I think that the Russian election interference, which I don't think did anything, uh, I don't want to say that it did, but but their election interference, I think, was a direct response to Hillary Clinton and what they did to his election. I think that um, what a lot of what we're doing now, I think, was a direct response to how the Obama administration and all his foreign policy elite handled 2014 uh, uh, Ukrainian revolution. I think he responds to these people, you know, directly in kind. That's also a reason why he was willing, I think, to back off of this when Trump was there, because... He knew that that was not how they operated, and they weren't the ones directly responsible for what happened. Um, and I also think that it's ridiculous that NATO um, wouldn't respond, wouldn't say, "Hey, look, we're not going to admit Ukraine into um, into NATO." Why couldn't they say that? NATO was irrelevant, and the irony of this is now that Putin responding to that is making NATO relevant again. So right. I think that eventually his goal is to play the long game. Eventually, there's going to be NATO countries like Germany's not going to want to attack. They're not going to want to send troops. No, that's going to cause a divide in NATO. That's going to cause a divide between the UK and, and, and France. They're not going to want to attack either. And eventually, this will play out to where NATO will do exactly what he said was what he wanted. He wanted NATO to do a withdrawal that benefits China and everybody else that's on Ukraine, uh, Russia's side. Mm. So his it's- his ultimate goal is the long game: divide NATO, possibly even the end of NATO. And to get strategic depth with uh, Ukraine. Okay. Thank you very much, Jason. I appreciate it. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I think there's two things that we as Americans need to make very clear. Vladimir Putin is an evil, bloodthirsty killer. He is a totalitarian. That does not mean the second point I'd like to make clear, that we should go to war. Um, Those can be separate and equal. Uh, And uh, we need to support all we can, the people of Ukraine. And I mean that as people. Mercury One is uh, working with Slovakia right now. Uh, Slovakia is taking in refugees. There are going to be people that are going to be running and escaping Ukraine, and uh, we are looking into ways to help them. We as people can help the people of Ukraine. A guy who knows communism really inside and out uh, is Michael Malice. Um, this this lie that Putin is uh, sharing that, you know, uh, it's just a it's a Russian a Russian territory, and oh, they love Russia. Let me use one word to remind the world, Holodomor. They don't love Russia. Uh, Michael Malice is here with us now, uh, the author of The Anarchist Handbook, and also, uh, dear leader, uh, Michael, can you, you escaped from a communist country, or your family did, right? Yeah, I was born in Ukraine. You are born We're in all Ukraine. from Ukraine. 
Yeah, we were from Western Ukraine, Lvov specifically. Wow. So I didn't know it was Ukraine. Um, so you give us perspective on what's happening. Well, I, I mean, I think the problem we have with, I'm going to take a little bit of a meta approach. The problem we have with kind of the way our media is set up is you and I are discussing a very dynamic situation. Uh, we have very limited information. The information we're given is often intentionally um, obfuscatory, yes. certainly from Russia's perspective. So we're kind of shooting off the hip and people want to understand how should I look at this? And anything you and I say is going to be a little bit, it should be taken with a grain of salt, just like anything we see in the media, generally speaking, but especially when it comes to a war situation where it's enormously advantageous for both sides to kind of keep their cards close to their chest. Um, I, I would disagree with you a, a slight bit. Uh, I don't think Putin is a totalitarian. Not every dictator is a totalitarian, but that is a silly semantic point that really is neither here nor there. What, what would you call him? How, wait, wait, how would you classify him? You could be a dictator without being a totalitarian. He's not um, okay. literally a Stalinist um, or a Hitler figure. Um, I agree with you completely that when you're talking about missiles hitting cities, our, our concern should be with civilians um, and, 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 and you know, making sure they're kept safe. I mean, I think it's fair to say, uh, Glenn, this is the kind of thing that you and I and pretty much everyone listening to this couldn't really expect to see in our lifetimes. This is uh, something, you know, war in, in Europe on this level is something that was regarded as relegated to history books. So I think we're all a bit like, what do we do now? But thankfully, it's really it's we kind have of bone chilling. Firm hand of Joe Biden in the White House. <laughs> yes, yes, head of the Foreign Policy Committee. That's why Obama oh, tapped yeah. him. This is oh, this is how gosh. smart Obama was. He saw this coming, so he picked Joe Biden as his foreign policy expert for VP. Now he's in the White House, so we can oh. rest assured. The Ukrainian people can rest assured. Joe Biden has your back. Tell me what it's like in Ukraine. Well, I, I left when I was one and a half, but my parents... Well, as a one and a half, so it was very big. The rooms were very large. <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't, even when you were one and a half. Uh, I, I assure you. But my parents did not... You know, if they had any chance of me having a hopeful life there, I, I would have remained. But again, this was the 70s. This was the USSR. It was a very different time. My, uh, the Ukra Ukraine, don't say the Ukraine, which is a region. Ukraine is a country. Um, Ukraine is, you know, obviously much more liberalized. But the, you, the point you made earlier in the introduction, the level of animosity from Ukrainians to Russians, uh, and to Russia specifically, I don't want to say Russians, excuse me, is really, really high to the point yeah. where if you speak Russian, or that is kind of a bit of a faux pas because there's such a memory of decades of oppression. But on the other hand, Eastern U Ukraine does have more affinity toward Russia than Western Ukraine, sure. which has historically more aligned with Europe. Uh, I mean, it's the reason why we say Kiev instead of Kiev, which we've always said, because Kiev is the way the Russians have pronounced it, uh, right. if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when he says he's uh, going to uh, denazify uh, the Ukraine or or Ukraine itself, what uh, what does that mean to people in Ukraine? 
Oh, it meant that all those truckers somehow crossed the ocean, and now they're in uh, <laughs> Ukraine. <laughs> so they really kicked them out of Canada good. Um, I mean, it, it means not, it's nothing. It's nonsense. It's, it's complete, you know, double talk. It, it was the same thing that East Germany said for years for their oppression, which is, oh, you know, we're getting rid of all the Nazis, which were kind of, they claimed was historically a specifically West German phenomenon. How could that even been possible? So when you're talking, when you're talking about, here's the thing with Putin and just with the Russian approach, it's kind of like saying things that are so audacious and, and ridiculous on its face, but it's daring you to call their bluff. So whatever he's saying, I mean, in any time of war, you, you, you only have to roll your eyes and be like, okay, this is nonsensical. So, Michael, I, I know that you and I disagree on the size of government. You say zero. I say, uh, you know, some. Um, and we both disagree with going into Ukraine, um, I imagine, uh, yeah. and, and sending military and troops and getting involved in another war, et cetera, et cetera. Can you, can you explain how do you square the circle when it comes to uh, things like, like Hitler? If we would have acted sooner uh, and acted with force before he went into Poland, uh, things might have been different. You catch these guys early and don't give them any air to breathe. How, do you, how would you deal with this in your utopian world? Well, I don't live in a utopian world. You live in a utopian world because in your utopian world, uh, you can go into someone who was duly elected, like Hitler was, and you could overthrow the government, and somehow that's not going to have negative consequences. So the non-utopian world I live in recognizes that there are going to be extremely evil people like Hitler, and in order to do this, you have to make sure they are not given incentives and mechanisms to increase their power. And the only way a Hitler can be hum become a Hitler is with the government. Without a government, you're just going to have him be a homeless painter. So, and then, so that's one thing. Uh, I don't think anyone has or had a solution to Hitler. I mean, no, Hitler happened. So there was no good options on the table at the time, especially, and most importantly, and this goes back to the person you and I hate the most in terms of America, Woodrow Wilson. If the yeah. West hadn't been so oh. exhausted as a result of the Great War, if they hadn't seen an entire generation lost for no reason, there would be far more appetite to take on a Hitler. This is one of the reasons yes. Neville Chamberlain, uh, you know, had his appeasement because he's like, we're not doing this again. I can't, whatever the cost is, we're not Correct. paying it because we Correct. just paid the cost yesterday, effectively. So in your non-utopian world, uh, looking at our utopian world, how does a Michael Malice solve that? Do you, if you don't want him to be a dictator, don't let him grow into things, don't give him access to things, do you cut off the, his access to the West? To Hitler? No, no, Putin. like Putin. I, I, what would I, you I'm do not, if you were... Go ahead. I don't... I am not... Uh, this, you're, we're talking... There's a big difference between you know, a political philosophy and theory, whether, you know, the founding father's vision of America, my vision of anarchism, or some kind of Bernie Sanders social democracy. I don't know that any of those really matter when it comes to a situation of war that we're fighting today. I'm not a military strategist. I don't think I have any particular insight into geopolitics or 
Oh, we should sanction you. this region or let let some route in through the Caspian Sea or something like that. I, I, I don't have any good answers for you, Glenn. I'm sorry. Oh, that's that's I mean, I think that's one of the best answers I have heard from anybody. <laughs> uh, everybody's willing to spout off. And of course, you know, those of us who are clearly right do uh anyway um uh, no, michael I mean, thank anyone who no, go ahead just quickly anyone who thinks that there is some kind of magic wand that's going to resolve a situation against you know one of the largest countries in the world who's actually already shooting missiles into cities i i think they're just being inaccurate hmm. do do you think that vladimir putin is Bill O'Reilly and I just had this argument. He thinks he's crazy. He thinks he's always been <laughs> oh, always been rational, blah, 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 blah. But now he's crazy. I don't think he's crazy. I just don't think we understand what his goals are. The whole point, the reason I wrote Dear Reader, my North Korean book, is to demonstrate how evil, rational, and logical their system is in order to further the Kim's family and their control and power. There's nothing Putin's doing that is remotely crazy just because it's something evil or we don't understand. Correct. Correct. We just don't understand what his real motives are, what his end game is. We can look exactly. at it from our perspective and say that that's ridiculous. But until we understand him, uh, we, we won't we, we don't stand a chance. We don't stand a chance. Um, thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Glenn. Take care, guys. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I am surrounded by a new family of people who have their life back because of Relief Factor. Uh, I'm one of them. I was uh, uh, in pain and got to the point to where I just I couldn't do it anymore. I, <laughs> did anybody else feel like, you know, I just I can't get up another day? Mm-hmm. Um, we have our life back because of Relief Factor. It's not a television commercial. It's, uh, it's a group of real people with real results that had real pain. Try it yourself, Relief Factor. This guy when he started, completely bald. Look at him now. <laughs> Doesn't do anything for your hair. <laughs> but, it, but it will help you get out of pain. Give it a shot, try the three week quick start. Doesn't work, move on. But we're here to tell you, it works. ReliefFactor.com. Stu, can you give me a look at uh, the price, where the stock market is, the price of Bitcoin, uh, gold, silver, oil? Uh, sure, sure. Um, so Dow is down about about 600 points right now, um, which okay. uh, is off of its uh, lows uh, from the last 24 hours, but still down quite a bit. It's still, uh, what, about 2%? Not bad. Bitcoin is at about 36,000, uh, which is about right near its lows since the 2021 price increase uh it's bounced okay. between um you know 30 30,000 and you know close to 70,000 um, as the stock market points. if the stock market falls uh dramatically you will see bitcoin fall as well uh only because people who have bitcoin may have taken out uh margins uh, and bet on stocks, and they'll gonna, they're going to have to pay that back. So you might see an initial fall um, of Bitcoin. Could be for other reasons, but you should expect that as well. 
Uh, oil is over $100 a barrel for the first time since, I think, 2014. It's at 104 Perfect. basically right now. Um, gold is approaching $2,000 an ounce. It's at 19.29 right now. Uh, so what an appropriate what an appropriate uh, number nineteen twenty nine. Great, great, Amazing. great. Okay, um, so people, my own family has written to me. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Um, I want you to um, think about things this way. Look, there there are so many ways this this whole world can come apart. We are looking at a very, very fragile uh, situation all over the world. It's not just America. This is happening all over the world, um, especially in the West. There is a feeling in me, a friend said to me, don't run away from something, always run towards something. And you'll know when it's time to uh, to find that thing or that thing will appear um, when the seasons change. He said, watch the leaves on the trees and you will know when the seasons change. I will tell you that I think we have hit a season change. Um, I've been feeling it this last week, week and a half that something is different and uh, it's a season change, something we're entering a new phase. Um, so some of the things that I would suggest you do, some may dismiss, but I will tell you, you're, we are fighting evil now, we are. And uh, evil is, it's just rearing up its head and it, it thinks it's gonna win, it doesn't know. Uh, what's coming for it, but it thinks it's going to win. I know how it ends. We all know if you're a Christian, we all know how this ends. Um, it's just which side are you going to be on? And it's going to be very easy to get lost and to sw and get swept up into things. So let me give you a couple of things that we should be doing. First of all, pray. You should be praying and reading your Bible every day and be on your knees asking for guidance and listen and obey that still small voice that you hear that there's nothing more important than that um, get into groups uh, and neighborhoods that think alike um, find a, a group of friends that maybe will join you on this this path um, and you can help each other. We are going to need each other if we're going to survive. If you are all alone, uh, move. Don't be the only person that is in your area and you're feeling alone. Get out. Find like-minded people um, because the seasons have changed. When you're preparing, think about the community as a whole. I have a small town in Idaho that I just love. And I moved there because it's a small town. And, and they're all farmers. And farmers know that they're going to have to take care of each other. And right now, we are doing things as a town like we're building a smoker. Um, because we're, we know if there's a shortage of meat, uh, and let's say there's a shortage of power, uh, and power keeps going in and out, we're, there's going to be a shortage um, that we, we won't be able to deal with. So let's go learn how to smoke meat so we can smoke some beef and store some beef if it gets to that point. 
Um, you know, we didn't have a warning in 1929, really. It wasn't, it was the roaring 20s and then maybe a couple of years into it, a couple of years before 1929, some signs started to appear. But it was a pretty fast crash. We've had almost two decades to prepare. So there's no excuse here. We have the warnings. You're either listening to them or you're not. And if you're not, man, there are less stressful shows to listen to, honestly. <laughs> honestly. Um, uh, prepare now. Uh, and here's a couple of things you can do. At this point, I would make sure that I had a week's worth of cash on hand. Why? Because if I, if I were Vladimir Putin and we started getting hit financially, I would unleash my team of hackers and I would shut down oil pipelines. I would shut down um, uh, the, the access to our banks. I would, I would disrupt through hacking as much as I can. He Remember, he said World War III will be fought with ones and zeros. I don't know how prepared we are for that, but he's very prepared for that. So we should be. This isn't attack against just the government. This is an attack on us. Uh, make the people as miserable as possible. So we could see, in very short order, banking uh, holidays. It would be rational. If somebody is attacking our, our financial systems, then uh, they got to shut them down for a while, and it would cause great instability. Do you have enough money just to be able to buy the things that you would need to buy so life is okay during a banking holiday? Um, you might want to have more uh, than that. Uh, fill your gas tanks and keep them keep extra gas in gas tanks there will be shortages keep them tapped up so if you needed to go someplace you can go T call your oil heating company uh and tap your tank off if you can gas uh for heat and cooking get those tanks filled now it'll be cheaper now uh than uh later but also, you want to make sure if there is any disruption, you're not going into it with half a tank. Um, if you fill your pantry, you will thank me in a year. If you go out and buy food today, you will thank me in a year because inflation alone is going to go through the roof. It will. Um, if you can get uh, vegetables and even can them out of season, but you can get them now, I would get them and can them. Um, they're going to be harder to get. The price of fertilizer and, and just having a farm is going through the roof. Um, these things are going to be more scarce next year. Um, if, you, if, you, if you can, I would have a year's worth of food supply for my family. Uh, and if I really had money, I would plan for others as well. We are going to need one another. Um, and that's why I say be in these communities, because somebody's going to have something that you need, and they're going to have something uh, that you need, and you're going to have something that they need. Um, begin to think this way. Really, really important. Watch the other hand. Um, this is a very danger, dangerous and fragile time for freedom. Look how fast Canada uh, called people terrorists and shut them down.
Um, th- this is going to happen while we are not paying attention or for some other reasons. It is vital that you get involved in your local and state politics. You call your state reps and tell them to stop ESG standards from being used in your state. It is so important. Um, it, th- that's the, these standards are pretty much what the, the Canadian government is doing to the truckers. Get your state to pass a law also against a single Fed coin. I'm going to give you a story here that I can't believe we missed um, uh, in June 2021. The Bank of England, that's their Federal Reserve. The Bank of England has called on ministers to decide whether a central bank digital currency should be programmable ultimately giving the issuer control over how it is spent by the recipient. Tom Mutton, the director of Bank of England, said during a conference on Monday that programming would become a key feature of any future bank digital currency in which the money could be programmed to release only when something happened. You can introduce programmability. It happens to be one of the participants in a transaction. It puts a restriction on the use of that money. There could be some socially beneficial outcomes from that, preventing activities which are seen to be socially harmful in some way. This is what they were talking about two years ago. If you don't think that digital currency is coming you're mistaken. It is right around the corner, and it could be something like what could be coming in response to uh, Putin and our um, cutting him off on the banks. Uh, he will re- respond, I believe, in ones and zeros, and then the government will have its new virus. It'll be a computer virus, and they'll have to protect us. And shut things down. Um, get your kids out of school if you can. But local schools, if you're if you have to have the local school, make sure you know all about it. Again, if you're the lone voice, move now. If you are joining the truckers here in America, make sure you are not following a leader. Make sure you're following God and the peace and actions of Christ. Get the Martin Luther King Pledge of Nonviolence and get everyone in that group to sign it. If they will not sign it, you may be in the wrong group. Um, Between real crazies who want to burn the entire thing down through war or chaos, plants from the left who are Antifa, and the fact that media, the Capitol Police, and the FBI actively in one way or another want to define us as terrorists— Uh, Be very, very, very careful. Look how fast it happened in Canada. Remember, chaos is from the adversary. It is what I believe Putin is creating now. I think he's doing it intentionally, but I could be wrong. That's only a guess. We are not asking for chaos. We are asking for a return to order, the constitutional order. That is really an important difference. If we can just keep our heads about us uh, and, uh, and not freak out, if we can have faith that we have 
God guiding us. And if we live righteous lives, if we are people of merit, as George Washington said, uh, he will see us through. I expect miracles to be seen in your time, in your life. You will see clear hand of God miracles if you haven't already. Uh, Billy Graham was right when he said God's doing stuff with people all over the world. And uh, one of these days, he's going to turn on the lights and it'll be a surprise party for Satan. And you will see that the solution could only have come from God because it's all of these individual people standing up. I was talking to Stu yesterday um, about people actually having dreams or hearing from God. I think that is a growing thing. Um, don't dismiss those promptings. Don't dismiss them. Na, 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 na.